What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And today's episode is brought to you by Visa. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business and look for the contactless symbol and pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. Before we get started, we are two writers from San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, who have been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. And now this is our third season as the host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, what is up, guys? Happy to have David Drogemeyer back on today's show. And we have a lot to get into because we have your guys' voicemails to talk about today. We got a lot more voicemails, too many voicemails actually to get into one show, but we had a couple of duplicates and we're just going to use the latest of those. But so many things to get into from the voicemails. You guys brought it again. We'll be talking about, you know, the coaching staff and if they have to go. We'll also be talking about how injured the Chargers have been and their medical staff as well as getting into rookie mistakes and much more. But first, we are going to get into the news that we've gotten some power rankings or a power rankings roundup by Chargers Wire that has all of the different sports sites and where they have the Chargers power ranked after their loss to the Buccaneers and falling to 1-3. and And I think the results were a little bit surprising. So let's go ahead and get into it. This week's NFL power rankings have come out, and the Chargers might not have dropped as much as you think. This is Daniel Wade, joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked on Chargers lead story. ChargersWire.com has come up with a roundup of all of the different sports sites and where they have the Chargers power ranked after last week's game against the Buccaneers and falling to 1-3 and three on the season. But one of the things that we noticed on here, David, was just the fact that the Chargers didn't really get penalized very much in the power rankings this week. And I think a lot of that has to do with Justin Herbert. And the other thing I think it has to do with is just the Chargers losing close games to good teams. I mean, now two of their losses come to two of the better teams in the NFL, a 3-1 and team in Tampa Bay, and also a 4-0 and team to the Kansas City Chiefs, who they took to overtime. But I don't think any of these things happen without Justin Herbert playing as well as he did, to the point where one website, Touchdown Wire, actually had the Chargers moving from 21st in the NFL to 15th after a loss. So this is not something you usually see with the Chargers or really any NFL team losing games and then moving up in the power rankings. But this week, David, strangely enough, that's something that we've seen. Touchdown Wire moves the Chargers up in the poll to 15th, which is the biggest jump out of all of the polls that are out there. The Chargers went from 21st to 15th, and a lot of that is because of Justin Herbert. They said that going into this, they had the wrong evaluation on Justin Herbert, and with his play in these first three games that he was starting, he has definitely won them over and changed their mind. USA Today also moved them up from 24 to 21 and commented saying that, All 31 of the Chargers' points came from undrafted free agents. That's Mike Badgley, Tyron Johnson, Jalen Guyton, and Donald Parham Jr. So a lot of contributions from places they did not expect. Guys that are not named Hunter Henry, not named Keenan Allen. And then you have the NFL moving them up from 19 to 18. Said that you hate to see the rookie mistakes, but you have to feel elated about what you've seen and what you have going forward with Justin Herbert. 
That was definitely the theme. And the other undrafted free agent to score for the Chargers was Michael Davis, who had a 78-yard pick six on Sunday against Tom Brady. And him actually returning that interception was actually the third fastest that anyone has run on an NFL field so far in 2020 with the ball in their hands. I mean, that is something that I thought was very surprising. We knew he was fast, but he's fast, fast. (laughs) I think the only thing that surprises me is that with the injuries that the Chargers have right now and then potentially moving back to Tyrod Taylor could actually move them down more in some of these polls. That's the only thing that surprises me. Not that the Chargers have moved up some, but just the fact that more teams aren't holding the injuries and the potential of Tyrod Taylor being the starting quarterback as something that would push them lower onto some of these lists. But some of these sides did. I mean, a few of them had the Chargers staying the same. A few of them had the Chargers dropping a few spots, but none of them were major. I mean, the biggest drop was actually two spots, and that was CBS Sports going from 23 when they had them previously at 21. So it seems like, David, out of all the two and two teams or worse, the one and three teams, I mean, the Chargers are actually stacking up with some of the teams that have a better record than they do. And we know that the Chargers are talented and them losing close games is nothing new to us. But no matter where you look for power rankings, the Chargers really aren't getting punished at all for that loss against Tampa Bay. Yeah, they're not. I think everybody out there understands that Tampa Bay has one of the better defenses in the NFL, and a lot of these analysts were very impressed with Justin Herbert's performance against one of the better defenses he's going to see all year. He threw three touchdowns, almost 300 yards again, and he just goes out there and continues to show why he is ready for the starting quarterback job of the Chargers. And, you know, ESPN and Sports Illustrated both had the Chargers stay at 19. They just said that the the defense needs to get better at forcing turnovers, and they also need to get better in the one-score games. The Chargers have lost an an obscene amount of games by one score in the last couple of years, and they have to get that figured out if they want to start winning going forward. Then you mentioned CBS Sports. Going from 21 to 23, they said that There's a tough decision to make either going back to Tyrod Taylor or sticking with the rookie Justin Herbert. And they said that they would prefer that the Chargers stick with Justin Herbert. And then lastly, you have Sporting News moving them from 22 to 23, saying something very similar. You can't go back to Tyrod Taylor now. After watching how Justin Herbert has orchestrated this offense and getting the ball to guys that are not named Hunter Henry and Keenan Allen, I think, Daniel, Justin Herbert has done a phenomenal job of spreading the ball around to whoever is open. Yeah, he has. And those options have been very limited. But yeah, Sports Illustrated echoing the same thing. The Chargers seem to have found their quarterback. Will they keep playing him? So it feels like the only places that did actually move the Chargers down in the power rankings was more of fear that Tyrod Taylor would be coming into the game rather than the Chargers moving down because of their loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But unfortunately for the Chargers, the schedule is not going to get any easier this week. It will soften up after this week on Monday Night Football against the New Orleans Saints when you get teams like the Jets and the Miami Dolphins. But it is going to be very interesting to see if the Chargers drop in the power rankings if they lose to the Saints because that's another team that is probably better than you, especially with the injuries that the Chargers have right now and not expecting those guys on injured reserve to be back anytime soon, especially not this week. So if the Chargers play against the New Orleans Saints and they end up getting another close loss, do we see them still hanging around the same spot or will their 1-4 record 
finally push them down because I think we all know that the Chargers are a better team than their 1-3 record shows. The only game that they've won was actually one of their least inspiring performances against the Cincinnati Bengals in week one where they only put up 16 points and won because Randy Bullock missed a chip shot field goal. So the Chargers doing okay in these power rankings so far, but we'll see if the losses continue if they don't start plummeting down into the late 20s as one of the worst teams in the NFL. But we do have two more segments to get into because we have to get into your guys' voicemails. We got voicemails from Craig, from Zach, from Curtis, Loki, Logan, all of you guys coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that this episode is also brought to you by Built Bar, the best protein bar on the planet with 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, coconut almond, and peanut butter, which is obviously my favorite. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy, and you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And the best part is that all bars are 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. When you're talking about protein bars, I think taste is everything. Obviously, you want them to be healthy, which Built Bars are, but you're not going to get that chalky flavor that you get from a lot of other protein bars. This is a protein bar that actually tastes great, and our listeners right now can get a free cooler with their purchase while supplies last. All you have to do is go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, one word, to get $10 off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, David, well, it's time to get into some voicemails, and I really want to say thank you to everyone who called in for the show. We have a lot of the usual guys that you've heard come on the show today, but I mean, I think all of them are bringing up different points, and if you guys want to get on the show, the number is 323-524-7924. We'll always be trying to get new callers and everyone that we can onto the show, but let's get into some reactions from this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're going to start this one with Joe from Jersey, who has been calling in with his post-game reactions. Let's see what he has for us this week. Hey guys, Joe from Jersey, uh, instant after game reaction here. Um, I had a, a bunch of like notes I just took during the game, just trying to get my thoughts together for when I was going to call you guys and give you guys kind of my reaction. But, um, you know what? I'm throwing out these notes. Um, I, I had up and down notes where the Chargers were doing great and then they were doing awful. And, you know, most of the, the, the good stuff revolved around Justin Herbert and he just played a great game. I know he threw the pick at the end of the game, but he, he played a great game. Um, I think where I'm going at now is, um, that Anthony Lynn, Gus Bradley, Shane Steichen, the coaching. I, I, I'm tired of seeing the up and down. I'm tired of seeing uh, good play and instant bad play. That's the way this game kind of went. They played, you know, either really great defensively, mostly in the first half, at the end of the first half, or they were just awful, uh, just awful. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with the coaching. I think that there is injuries, but I mean, this is a this is a, a very talented uh, crew. Um, they have a good roster. Everybody was talking about that. But they're not playing up to their potential at all. Uh, Justin Herbert is playing beyond his years, and I think he should stay the starter. I don't think he should lose his job. And I have a funny feeling he's going to because Tyrod is going to come back because his injury was so unfairly kind of gotten, you know, the doctor screwing up or whatever. It was just going to lead me more to why Anthony Lynch should, should go. Gus Bradley should go. Shane Sykin, who uh, his play calling is just driving me crazy. Uh, I think this is, uh, this loss kind of revolves around, it goes right to the, to the heart of the matter, which is, I think Anthony Lynn is, I think, done. I, I really think he should, he's gotta go. I know it's only week, what, week four, um, or gonna be week four, whatever it is. Um, I think it's, I think it's, it's time to, to consider somebody else and let somebody else groom Justin Herbert because 
I don't think Anthony Lynn is that good. What do you guys think? Go Bulls. Well, Joe, if anyone knows what it feels like to have some up and down notes from this game, it's us over here. I mean, I had the same thing. I mean, such a roller coaster ride for a lot of it. But I think that you're echoing the sentiment that a lot of people are feeling right now. Lynn's got to go. Bradley's got to go. I do think that Shane Steichen, uh, this will be a theme probably throughout a couple of these calls, has been a little bit better. I'll get more into that. But your main thing here is having someone else new come in to groom Justin Herbert. But these are the things that I think about when I think of, you know, Anthony Lynn getting fired or something like that is just look at the job that Pep Hamilton has done so far with Justin Herbert. Usually if a new coach comes in, they clean house. A lot of the staff is going to get turned over. It seems like Shane Steichen more and more is finding ways to push the buttons that Justin Herbert needs to press that Justin Herbert needs to find success on the field. Obviously, the picks and all of those things, I mean, a lot of those aren't usually because of the play call. Those are just some mistakes by Herbert. But that's the only thing that scares me. With Gus Bradley, we'll get more into it there. But there is another thing about having continuity. Justin Herbert had four different offensive coordinators famously at Oregon. He had a bunch of different coaches there. So I do think continuity is a factor, David. And I I don't really want to mess with the whole Pep Hamilton, Shane Steichen, Justin Herbert dynamic. Yeah, I don't really want to touch that either. But And for people calling for Lynn's head, this is the quarterback that he brought in. This is the guy he drafted. This is the guy he's tied to for the next couple of years. I don't think that the organization is going to go in a different direction. Honestly, there's just way too many outliers. There's way too many things that can give Anthony Lynn a pass during this season. I just don't see the Chargers organization letting him go. As far as Gus Bradley is concerned, I'm—I mean, I'm kind of—I've kind of had it with his defensive play calls. I, I don't really care to have him on board anymore. He's just not aggressive enough for me. And with Shane Shane Steichen specifically, this is his first year as an NFL offensive coordinator. I think you got to give him a little bit more time to grow. And you know, as you mentioned, Daniel, it seems like him and Justin Herbert are getting on the same page week after week after working together. It seems like they're getting more comfortable and they're—you know—they're performing. They're putting out good numbers. Yeah, and obviously Lynn and Herbert are tied to each other. Um, I think a lot of people wonder how much of the decision to bring him in was Tom Telesco and how much of it was Anthony Lynn. And that's something we don't really know at this point. But I also don't want the head coach to say, I'm tied to him, because I think that just kind of puts out a bad connotation, just basically saying, like, I'm stuck with him almost. So I don't necessarily want to hear that out of him. But we have more calls about the coaching. Let's hear what Craig from Texas has for us this week. Hey guys, Craig in Texas. Yeah, um, <laughs> where to start? Um, another episode in the saga of, uh, ineptitude in Charger Land. Uh, this is completely out of hand at this point. Um, nothing's more disappointing than going into a game not really expecting to win, to watch your team basically overachieve and then crap the bed and lose it at the end. It, it's literally the weirdest. I, I, I can't even formulate what I feel right now. It's just very strange to see this team do this on a week-to-week basis. It's almost like they can't get out of their own way. Um, coaching by far is just, it, it's on a different level of terrible from the top down. A lot of people don't like Anthony Wayne. I kind of understand, but this whole thing where we're blaming him for everything that goes wrong but giving him none of the credit when it goes right is just kind of, come on, like, if you're going to call it, 
call it down the middle. Be fair. Um, he's not really improving as a head coach. I will be the first to admit that. He also doesn't carry the ball or play defense. So with that being said, Justin Herbert, stud. He's the guy. Um, I like Anthony Lynn as a leader of men, but by the same token, if he tries Tyrod Taylor out there next week or any week hereafter, um, I'm completely off that train. We can just go ahead and if they elect to move on from him, which they won't, um, I wouldn't be opposed to it. That's just horrible decision-making. Gus Bradley, I'm completely over Gus. Uh, laziest defensive coordinator in the entire league, and he gets paid to essentially try the same scheme, quote-unquote, out there every week. Never gets any better. Horrible. Shane Steichen, looking a little like Ken Wizenhunt when uh, things get into crunch time. He kind of reverts to the easiest plays to make or call in a short down and distance situations. It's the most obvious plays that you can call, and they almost never work. I could go on and on about this, but I want to be uh, courteous to everyone else who has to vent. So i um, love to know where you guys think the rest of the season goes from here. I know it's only the first quarter of it, but uh seems like we're in for a long one. Anyway, hold up. Take it easy. <laughs> so let me just say that I really love just the part of another episode in the saga of ineptitude in Chargers land. I mean, that's putting it perfectly right there. I'm, And I also agree with just not even sometimes being able to formulate how it feels. I mean, seeing your team go up against a team it's supposed to lose to play exceptionally well against in the first half and then ending up kind of the exact result, which we thought was going to happen, but happening kind of in reverse order in that sense. I mean, that is something that is pretty hard to deal with. But I, I'm i in agreement for the most part with Gus Bradley. I mean, I think a lot of the defenses that he's had have been super, super talented. And obviously, he's dealt with a bunch of injuries. <laughs> Saying he's the laziest defensive coordinator. I mean, when you're running the same scheme as much as he is, I'm not going to push back on you too much on that. Obviously, when you have games against the Kansas City Chiefs, like we've seen them have, you know, with Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator and when this defense is healthy. I mean, I think there is ways to see this defense really have success. I mean, really, it's based on pressure, and this Chargers team has not been able to get pressure. It's based on having guys in the back end that can come up and make plays. But at a certain point, when you're not getting the production, something has to change from that standpoint. And I think that for Gus Bradley, even with the injuries, David, I know obviously you're not a fan of it, but... I don't know about the Stiking Ken Wisenhunt thing because I think he's doing a lot of things right with Justin Herbert. I mean, we can't blame Shane Stiking for all the play calling when Justin Herbert has looked as good as he has so far. So the one thing I will 100% agree with is the short yardage situations, getting in close in the goal line. Those kind of things I definitely have a problem with. The second and one, third and one, fourth and one runs right out the middle absolutely bothered me. I also wonder how much of that has to do with Anthony Lynn wanting this team to be more physical than they really are. And, you know, I've talked about that on the show before. And I think Anthony Lynn does take a lot of crap, even, you know, when guys are fumbling and stuff that really doesn't have anything to do with him. I do agree he's a good leader of men. But with Steichen and Gus Bradley, I mean, I'm more of a Steichen guy, but I'm definitely not a Gus Bradley guy. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like I said before, I think you just got to give him a little bit more time to gel. And I like some of the things that he's been able to do. I mean, the Chargers are running the ball a whole lot more effectively this year versus last year. They had 
three ga- three games where they did not eclipse 50 rushing yards, which is absolutely ridiculous. They've, they're There's running four games in a row under 40 yards. Exactly. I mean, that's even worse. I mean, that's so embarrassing. That should never happen at the NFL level. So the Chargers are running the ball a lot more effectively. The offense seems like they are getting better on third downs, which you like. But yeah, there are still a couple of moves that they make, which make you scratch your head, like doing a screen on a third and 20 or, you know, some of those things, some of the red zone calls repeatedly trying to do the same run. That stuff has got to change. I mean, you got to make you got to learn from your mistakes and clean that up going forward. He's he gets a pass because, like I said, he's still a new coordinator. But he we need to start seeing those adjustments in the game plan and better play calling in those situations. Better situational uh, football play calls would be better for Shane Steichen. But we got to give him some time. I think as far as Gus Bradley is concerned, I just the lack of aggressiveness going into halves, the lack of aggressiveness at the end of games is it's been detrimental. It's been costly. It has cost the Chargers wins, I believe. The shell, you know, playing the the you know the picket fence defense, all of those things, they do not work. And we've seen it time after time with Gus Bradley. They need to make a change, I believe, and I don't think it can be too soon. Yeah, I mean, thank God we're not seeing as much of that picket fence defense as we did last season. But I think predictability is the biggest thing. I mean, there's just certain things that work well against a cover three defense, especially when the pass rush isn't getting home. But I think for Anthony Lynn, I do think he takes some unnecessary heat. I mean, obviously there's time management and stuff like that. And if he's not getting better as a head coach, that's obviously not a good sign. But I do think that this entire fan base for the most part will be off of the Lynn train. If he decides to start Tyrod Taylor, I think that's going to be a breaking point for most fans and maybe even some players on the team as well that know they have the best chance to win with Justin Herbert out there but we do have one more voicemail i want to get into in this segment this one's coming from barnaby let's hear what he has for us this week we gotta speed it up a little bit too what up fellas it's barnaby from the 805 just got done well got done with the game quite a while ago but just kind of letting it process and uh i gotta throw some shade to uh anthony lynn and tom Telesco. you know we're having a lot of the same issues every season and it never seems to get fixed I mean, I'm talking about Jenkins. Why is Jenkins out there? He cannot tackle anybody. We had to deal with Jalila Dye, who they brought back. I mean, who cares if he knows the playbook? Get people who know how to tackle. And he's out there running his mouth, getting penalties. Um, they got to fix our, our safety issue. And i got to say, you know, we've got an offensive line that continues to be an issue. Now, yes, Brian Balaga. And you go out and get Turner. But what happens? You get people who are washed up and get injured. Because, again, I know David disagrees with me, but we've got the worst medical strength and training staff, I think, in the league. We've got people getting punctured lungs. We've got people getting soft tissue injuries, major injuries. All the injuries that you can think of happens to the Chargers every single season. So it's time to clean house. They've got to take responsibility. I say get rid of Anthony Lynn now. Get rid of him and figure out what the hell our staff is doing to get these guys prepared. Whether it's the food, whether it's the stretching, they got to incorporate yoga. I don't know what they got to do, but we got to stop these injuries from plaguing us so early in the season. Um, because when you're getting injured on non-contact plays, um, to me, that's not a problem with the players. That's a problem with the staff. So. Chew on that, David Drogemeyer. And by the way, happy belated birthday. Peace. All right, David. Well, this one's directed 
right at you. So what do you have in response to Barnaby? So Barnaby, I appreciate your opinion. And, you know, I like the fact that you called me out. I, I do appreciate that. But I think it's not that simple. I mean, it's not just as simple as the, the, the medical staff. There's a lot of things, a lot of factors that go into this. I mean, their nutrition, the strength and conditioning. I mean, there are several different layers to this topic. So I think it is wrong that the Chargers haven't tried to reassess because, Daniel, there are numbers to back up the fact that they have been one of the worst teams in the league the last couple of years with injuries, with people missing starts. So that is definitely cause for concern. But I think you look around the league and you see everybody dealing with these injuries. Football is a violent sport. Injuries are going to happen. And yes, it might seem the Chargers are dealing with it a little bit more than others, but the one thing I just want to get get across to you is that there are multiple different things that go into player development. It's not just the medical staff. Well, and it's hard because, I mean, nutrition is part of it. The strength and conditioning coach is part of it. The athletic trainers are part of it. The doctors are part of it. And obviously the Chargers don't buy themselves much because you had a team doctor puncture a quarterback's lung. That's a terrible look. There's an investigation into it last, right now. I mean, last year you have Nazir Adderley, whose coaches are literally trash-talking him, crest badly, yet he is getting misdiagnosed with an injury that is actually much worse than they originally thought it was. So, I mean, there's not a lot of leeway there as far as credibility or just you know having faith in this team and the people they're putting in charge of these things i would say if they're cutting any corners if you're not spending the absolute most money you can and pouring money into that to potentially make it better with food and training and all of those things i think it's inexcusable knowing how bad it's been because it has been bad and the football outsiders adjusted games lost by starters in 2019 the Chargers missed 103 games from their starters which is the third worst 2018 it was 100 which is eighth worst 2017 when this new athletic training staff came in they were 16th so right about the middle of the league and the year before that they were actually second worst so I think it's really a big deal if the Chargers are cutting corners in any of these ways there's nothing right now that we actually know for sure is happening the players that are there now probably aren't going to come out and say that but maybe we'll have a former player on the show that can come on and enlighten us in that way but to me I think I don't want to fire anybody, obviously. You never want to just, you know, take somebody's job away. But at the same time, at a certain point, if what you're doing is not working, you have to look to change it in some way. And I don't know if that means, you know, clearing out everybody that's there. But I do think you have to try something different if these things keep happening year over year. But I also think the Chargers injuries seem a lot worse because it always seems to be their biggest players on the list of the guys that are being out for extended periods of time. But we have a few more voicemails to get into. We have Zach calling in. We have Logan from Arizona and Curtis Loki coming up right after this. All right, we're back into some voicemails here. We're going to start with Superfan Zach calling in. Let's see what he has for us this week. Hey, Zach from Florida here. So I wanted to know if there was a difference between Herbert and Kelly. So, so far after three games, and he's thrown an interception in each game. All the talk is that Herbert is a rookie, so he won't make rookie mistakes. But Kelly, in three in the games that he's played, has had two fumbles, but yet nobody talks about that he's a rookie and he will make mistakes. Are we already expecting Kelly to play like a veteran and not make mistakes? Like, is there a difference between how Herbert is and how Kelly is? Is it because we got Herbert in the first round that that makes him more important for that rookie status? 
So I want to get your thoughts and bolt up. So, Zach, I definitely understand the sentiment there. I mean, it seems like people were being more harsh on Josh Kelly than they are on Justin Herbert. And I think probably some of that is due to the fact that, you know, this franchise's future is in the hands of Justin Herbert. So you want to kind of, you know, negate the bad things that he's done and look at the great things that he's done. But in this scenario specifically, fumbling is just so much different than throwing an interception. I mean, fumbling is not a rookie thing. I mean, you shouldn't have to learn how to carry a football. You've been doing it your whole life. On Sunday, that was a kind of a 50-50 between Herbert and Joshua Kelly, and I'm willing to say that even if Anthony Lynn, you know, in this case was actually sticking up for Herbert and saying it was more on Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly has to be able to secure that ball before he starts getting into, you know, trying to get a field, right? So I think that's part of it. But a rookie mistake for Joshua Kelly is missing a hole. You know what I mean? It's not fumbling the football. It's not putting the ball on the ground. I think Joshua Kelly is going to be much better at that because on one play he gets hit from behind. Another play is just kind of a muffed handoff to some extent, but there's just a really big difference between, you know, making reads on an NFL field and on an NFL field. And I don't even think last week I said his interception was a rookie mistake. It was just honestly a bad throw, but there's just a big difference between those two things. I just think elementary, it's just two different positions, Daniel. I mean, you got a running back and you got the quarterback. That can't be discounted. I mean, like you said, a running back has been running with the football his entire life. That's what he does. He knows how to protect the football. That's been a primary focus for him the entire time. For a quarterback, it's a completely different speed at the NFL level. You have to process more information a lot quicker. You have to make reads, get upset protections. There's a whole lot more level of knowledge needed to play the quarterback position versus the running back position. I think that's why you see people coming down on Josh Kelly a little bit harder than they are on Justin Herbert. Yeah, I definitely think, I mean, it, there's a few different reasons probably why that's happening, but... For Joshua Kelly, I mean, you just can't put the football on the deck. If you're Justin Herbert, you're handling the ball on every play and having to make these reads. It's just a lot different. But I definitely understand what you're getting out there. But we also have a call from Logan in Arizona. Let's hear what he has for us this week. What's up, guys? It's Logan calling again from Arizona. Um, Just wanted to kind of give my reaction. And then I had another question for you. Um, I, I just feel like at this point, I know it's only been four games, but... Uh, I've already started to kind of look forward at next year and just uh, what things will look like when we get healthy again. Um, I think a silver lining from these games is Herbert just seems to continue to get better um, and and start to make eye-popping throws uh, at least, you know, once or twice a half now. So uh, that's exciting to see uh, what they're going to look like as this team uh, does get healthier on the offensive line and uh, get some more pieces in place. Uh, from an aerial perspective, get get uh, Mike Williams back. Uh, but defensively, a couple things. Uh, I felt like King just continues to make plays, um, be in the right spot, and, and make tackles. And uh, I really hope they can kind of figure out whatever it is that's got him in the doghouse and squash it because I feel like he just needs to uh, be back in the fold with this defense permanently. Um, and then secondly, uh, I've got a if if you were Tom Telesco question, which I think should be a segment on your show moving forward uh, every week to say if if I'm Tom Telesco, uh, this is what I would do. And so I think one of them for me is if I'm Tom Telesco, I would sit Derwin James down uh, at the beginning of this next off season 
and I would start to work out a long-term extension because I feel like now would be the time instead of waiting like the Chargers always do to sign guys like that and then end up paying a premium. I think that I've seen enough from him in a season and a half to know that we're going to need him moving forward. And I want to pay him and extend him before um, Minka Fitzpatrick gets paid and some of the other guys. And then Jamal Adams just got paid and Buda Baker. So uh, I want to know what you guys think about just getting him under contract or do you feel like you guys need to see another healthy season from him to be convinced? Uh, let me know your thoughts. Bolt up. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, it definitely sucks to be already thinking, you know, next year already. Obviously, it's nice to think about the Chargers getting healthy again. And I 100% agree on Desmond King. I mean, whatever doghouse he was in, I definitely think he's played himself out of it. He's just too talented. And the Chargers are way too injured to not have him on the field. But... I'm going to go in my direction with this. David Drogmeyer might go a different way for me if I'm Tom Telesco, and I agree that would be a great segment for the show. I'm absolutely extending Derwin James after this season before some of these contracts hit because you talked about Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams actually hasn't signed his new contract yet, which I think is even more reason to try to get Derwin James signed now before you do it. Right now, Buda Baker is the highest paid safety in the league, followed by Eddie Jackson at $14.75 million per year. If you could sign Derwin James up for four years, $15 million, I mean, absolutely give me that right now. Jamal Adams is looking for, you know, top defensive player in the league type of money. He is looking at somewhere between, you know, 17 and potentially $20 million a season. If you can get it done before that, even with the risk of him not being able to stay healthy so far, for me, it's too much talent. I'm going to do it. Yeah, and I understand that that thinking or that thought process too. I mean, you got to love what you see from Duran James when he's on the football field. We all know that he's a game wrecker and he can affect the game in so many different ways, but he just – He's got to show me he can stay healthy. I mean, it's a really big thing. I'm really on the fence about it. I don't think I would be too upset if they extended him. I mean, because we all know about his talent. It's just, is he going to continuously stay getting injured and you never get to see that talent realize itself on the football field? That's what's scary for me. That's what I don't know. And that's why I'm on the fence about the move. Yeah, for me, I mean, I just have to hope that it's more like Keenan Allen. We've talked about this before than it is like Jason Verrett. But with Derwin James, I think that the price tag's only going to go up to the point where you might not really know very much and he could ask for a new contract or something like that. And now you're flirting with much bigger numbers. So I think just logistically, it makes more sense to get him extended as soon as possible because we all know the market gets reset all the time. Look at Hunter Henry and what his new contract is going to have to be after George Kittle gets signed. I mean, all of these things are big factors. If they can get him cheaper by signing him earlier, he's just too good of a talent to not do it. But we also have Curtis Loki. This is another one where we had another call, Curtis, but I wanted to use your latest call so we could fit it into this episode. Let's hear what Curtis has for us this week. Hey, guys. Curtis Loki. Just calling back. I, uh, I listened, I literally just got done listening to your guys' show this morning. It was freaking awesome, man. I, it's so reassuring that we're, you know, the Chargers fans that aren't going to harp on stupid things and, you know, like call Julie Bosa's head and all this type of crap. Like, it's just so nice to hear you guys. It's like, uh, you know, I'm talking to my buddies and, you know, it's like my buddies and I have a really co- a real conversation about, you know, the Chargers and their future. And, um, you know, one of the questions I did have, though, um, following Anthony Lynn's press conference was, was 
was kind of answered with what you guys were saying about, um, you know, maybe it's it's not crazy that Justin Herbert's doing these amazing things and he's setting records and stuff. But Anthony Lynn brought something up about, um, you know, uh, essentially protecting him as a quarterback. And although he is doing these great things, I, I forgot which one you guys were talking about it as well, about protecting him and not getting him rattled and, and, and knocked around because of the offensive line. Although they've been playing well, but I think if you look deeper into it, they've been playing well because Justin Herbert drops back like freaking 10 feet before, you know, or like 15 feet before he throws a pass. But um, anyway, so I just wanted to know, like, you know, depending on what happens with Anthony Lynn and what he decides to do, um, like, what do you guys think he would benefit, honestly, from – being benched, I think that it would suck because I think we're all tuning in. We're all tuning into Chargers games right now because we just want to see what Justin Herbert's going to do next. But do you think it would? It, it could eventually get to him, you know, taking all these losses, although they're close. But you know, because of a defensive collapse or stupid coaching or whatever the case may be, do you think it could actually rattle him, or do you think, or, or maybe should it? Would it be wise to let him? sit for a bit until Anthony Lynn then realizes, okay, Tyrod is definitely not the answer. I just really wanted to know what you guys thought about that. I definitely want to see Justin continue to start, but I don't. I, I, there is something to be said about him, his, his growth being stunted. Anyway, I love the show. Go Bulls. I definitely like where your head's at, Curtis. I mean, I definitely understand what you're saying. I appreciate, you know, the shout out from the other show. It is hard going up against the people that don't want to listen to reason and just kind of have to pick out all the negatives and everything. But it seems like you're kind of leaning towards, you know, maybe putting Tyrod Taylor back in there to protect Justin Herbert. And obviously Anthony Lynn talked about that, you know, trying to protect him and kind of being in a rock and a hard place because he wants to do it right. He knows Patrick Mahomes had to sit a season, but I feel like we're just so far past that. So David, he's asking, do you think there's any benefit to him getting benched right now? Do you think taking all these losses could potentially have a toll on him? Do you think it could potentially rattle him having to be in all of these situations and scar him? Or do you think that's really not an issue for you at this point? It's not an issue for me at this point. I think if you've seen how Justin Herbert has acquitted himself as a starting quarterback for the Chargers so far, and you see a different level of offense, you see a different tempo, a different pace, you see them converting on third downs, you see them scoring on big touchdown plays, I just think the offense looks better, and you're going to have to live with the mistakes. I think you let him stay out there and play and you know watch him get better and watch him continue to grow and develop while being the starting quarterback. And obviously I'm on the fence of letting him start as well, but I definitely understand the sentiment. And the one thing that Tyrod Taylor thing does for you is it gives you an out, right? Because you can take Justin Herbert out without him technically getting benched. Obviously he's, you know, getting taken out of the game, but you would at least have some reason saying, well, Tyrod Taylor was always going to get this job back anyways. It has nothing to do with how Justin Herbert played, I guess, as far as his confidence goes. But at the same time, I mean, I think the best experience is obviously getting out there. The offensive line, I mean, I don't know if we've said they're good. They're definitely better than they have been. And the amount of pressures even they gave up last week against a very good defensive front was encouraging. Good job, James Campen. Yeah, James Campen definitely deserves a lot of credit for that. But the main reason for me that I think that it's okay to leave him out there is just because I think it is going to lead to wins for this team, I don't think they're going to 
go out there and continue to lose. I mean, we've seen Justin Herbert play some pretty good teams so far. I think he's going to continue to get better. I think he's going to lead the Chargers to a lot, not a lot of wins this season, but definitely, you know, I don't think they're going to win three games this season. I think he's going to be able to go in there, win games, get some good experience, and be able to stack some successes on top of each other going into his second year where he's the unquestioned starter. I understand trying to protect Justin Herbert, but frankly, I just think that cat's out of the bag. It'd be different if Patrick Mahomes started week one of his first season and then got sat the other 15. He didn't. He just played in the very last game of the season. He didn't have to go out there and get benched, and that's why this is such an unprecedented situation. But obviously, I'm firmly on the side of I think the best way for him to grow right now is to be out there and getting that game experience. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. Tomorrow is the crossover episode with the Locked on Saints podcast and Ross Jackson, one of the best on the network. So we'll be here with that. But until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Locked on LAC and to like the Facebook page at Locked on Chargers, as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked on Chargers podcast there. If you guys want to be on the next voicemail show, the number is 323-524-7924. And we try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow for Crossover Thursday. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.